Hello and welcome to the Select Sector Spider Sector Digest podcast for the week of November 6th, 2023. I'm your host, Paul Bayaki, ready to dig into all things sectors for the week ahead and look back at the week that was. And this is one of those weeks where maybe you're playing everybody's working for the weekend in your head because the S&P 500 finished the week up 5.85%, nearly 6% for the week, bringing the year-to-date gain back up over double digits to 13.51%. All is right with the world. In fact, the best performing sector this week up 8.5% plus was real estate or XLRE. And That wasn't the only sector that had a dramatic move. You had financials up seven and a third percent, XLF. You had communication services up seven percent, seven point oh nine percent to be specific. In fact, technology up just six point six percent kind of pales in comparison to what the other big sectors did. Discretionary up seven point one one percent. So look, it was a comprehensive rally this week. The worst performing sector this week was actually energy up just 242 basis points, XLE up 2.42%. But this was a robust week of volume, nearly 900 million shares traded across the select sector spider lineup. And the interesting part of the week was not just how comprehensive the rally was, all 11 gig sectors up more than 2% for this week alone, but it was kind of the contrasting nature of the rally because we saw a tremendous amount of redemption activity. In fact, we saw 47 million shares redeemed across the select sector spider lineup, 34 million shares redeemed out of XLF alone over the rolling one week period, 5 million shares redeemed out of XLV or healthcare. We just, we saw just three sectors with creations this week. And if you add all of them up, it was less than 2 million shares in aggregate created across those three sectors. So great performance, not much in the way of flows to sort of support that rally in terms of net buying activity. But the reason the market was up seems to be the combination of all of the data points that we got, starting with perhaps in terms of the most important data point. Now, it's not the one that started the week, but it was the one that anchored the week was the Fed. And the Fed Paused once again, which certainly is a welcome sight for a fixed income market and an equity market trading off of that fixed income market that has been very difficult. And here's a quote from Mr. Powell. We need to get to a place where we're confident that we have a stance that will bring inflation down to 2% over time. He continued, that's what we need to get to. And we've been moving toward it. As we've gotten closer to it, we've slowed the pace at which we've moved. So, There's other things he said in his post-meeting press conference. There's other talking points. There's other sound bites. But this, to me, is the core of it. They've been very aggressive in the trajectory of their interest rate increases. And the goal isn't to get to some new inflation target, 3%, 3.5%. It's to get to 2%, the target rate. And they've seen CPI and PPI trending in the right direction toward that number, albeit Still fairly far from that number, but as we get closer, they've paused and they've been less aggressive. And the expectation, of course, is that the CPI and PPI will continue to trend in the right direction, ensuring that this massive increase in interest rates 
is able to work its way through the economy, have the desired impact on inflation and get us closer to the target rate. Now, people forget there's another mandate on the Fed and that mandate has to do with employment. Now, what we saw Friday from a payrolls perspective was the opposite of what we had been seeing. In fact, non-farm payroll growth totaled 150,000 in October, well below the 180,000 or so that was expected by the market. That was a miss that we hadn't seen. Now, we had seen beats with revisions to prior months, and we saw revisions downward from the prior two months once again. But this was the first meaningful miss from a payrolls perspective in quite some time. And there's a lot of attribution for it. The UAW strike is one piece of this puzzle. Unemployment rose to 3.9 from 3.8%, which is the highest level we've seen since January 2022. But within that report, once again, related to the inflation story was wages increased 0.2% on a monthly basis and 4.1% on a year-over-year basis. And the expectation was 0.3% last month and 4% plus over the past year. So you're getting some relief from wage pressure. You're getting some relief from the Fed in terms of the trajectory of its interest rate increases. And you add it all up and the market liked it. Now, we got other economic data, ISM manufacturing, which was worse than expected, 46.7 versus 49.2, a contraction for the 12th straight month in manufacturing as measured by ISM. That, of course, is a segment we've talked about a lot, being in a recession, manufacturing specifically. The flip side is, is ISM services was at 51.8, slightly lower than 53, which was the expected read, but that's the 10th straight month of expansion. And if you remove the one contraction we saw in December of last year, this has been on a very steady pace of expansion, the ISM services print, couple years and counting. And so one quote, from Anthony Nieves, the chair of the Institute for Supply Management, ISM Services Business Survey Committee, said the services sector continues to slow with decreases in business activity and employment indexes. Sentiment among business survey committee respondents' comments is mixed with some optimistic about the current steady and stable business conditions and others concerned about such economic factors as inflation, interest rates, and geopolitical events. News flash, a lot of people are concerned about those. It continued, employment-related challenges are also prevalent with comments about increasing labor costs as well as shortages. Well, the payrolls number seems to, at the very least, support the idea that wage pressures and labor costs are trending in the right direction. The shortage piece, when you look at the decrease we saw in participation rate, perhaps is exacerbating that challenge. But all in all, a massive rally this week on the back of economic data and a Fed meeting that the market really liked. Whether or not this was a correction in a within a correction or whether this was a continuation of what has been a fairly robust bull market so far here in 2023, off of, of course, those lows last year, 
remains to be seen. But if you're looking at this market and your cap weighted S&P 500 exposure gives you significant weight to technology, to communication services, to consumer discretionary sectors that were up 6.6%, 7.09% and 7.11% respectively, that's a really good week for you. And some of the cyclical sectors, which had at the very least begin to ebb a little bit, woke up quite a bit. XLI, 5.35% for the week. Materials, more than 5% this week. Energy, of course, the laggard, but up 2.42% in the face of some fairly muted tape on the crude oil and natural gas front. Now, the sector in focus this week is actually just October in review because we wrapped up October this week and we got some interesting data in terms of how various sectors are being positioned in the marketplace on the long side, on the short side, and also perhaps what the sector portends on a go forward basis. So when you look at October, S&P 500 down 2.2% for the month, which at the end of October, man, it was a 9.23% gain. The interesting piece within the October report and on the monthly report in general is short interest. And the sector that still has the most meaningful short interest footprint is XLF. No surprise to people who listen to the podcast regularly. At the end of October, there were more than 100 million shares net short against XLF. It's the biggest net short position in terms of overall aggregate share count by a factor of about three. The second closest is XLU with 34 million shares or so short against an overall base of 222 million shares. So when you think about XLF, you've got 860 million shares outstanding or so with 102 or so shares short. The flip side is, is in the utility space, you've got 34 million shares short against 222 or so million shares outstanding. So on a month-to-month basis, you get big moves, increase of 30% in net shorts against XLB or materials. That was just a 3 million or so share change in net interest, net short interest, I should say, again, against XLB. Now, you go down the line here and we saw a decline, believe it or not, in short interest in energy, 7 million shares net short that came out of the market or that were closed, if you will. So this is a 20% decrease in net short positions against XLE, which it wasn't a significant rally in October for energy. In fact, energy was the worst performing sector in October, but Ultimately, you probably had at the beginning of the month some people unwinding their short positions and a continuation of the market's response to what was taking place in energy, which was a correction off near-term highs in the price of crude oil and some uncertainty around the outlook for demand as we started to see some recessionary fears bubble up once again. Now, as we ended October from a sector spider weighting perspective in terms of the assets in the sector spiders, how that compares to the S&P 500. The most overweight positions from an assets perspective relative to the S&P 500 are energy, which is nearly 17% of select sector spider assets relative to less than 5% weighting in the S&P 500. That's 265% overweight, if you will. 
And then utilities, which is nearly 6% of the select sector spider asset base and just 2.5% of the S&P 500 by weight. That's 130% overall net overweight position. Now, flip side is, is technology, 26% underweight relative to the S&P 500, 21% or so weight in the select sector spider asset base versus 28% for the S&P 500. 36% underweight to consumer discretionary, just about 7% of assets in the select sector spider lineup versus nearly 11% in the S&P 500. The reason I'm mentioning these is because it goes to show that a lot of investors who use select sector spiders do them in different ways. They deploy them in very different ways. And you look at some of these sectors like energy and utilities, Clearly, the select sector spiders are a very popular tool for investors trying to play on those sectors specifically. And we talk so much about financials, and yet it's actually underweight from an asset base within the select sector spider lineup relative to the S&P 500 by about 5%. So there's so much action in financials from a creation or redemption perspective week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter. And yet it sort of mimics the exposure from an asset perspective that you get in the S&P 500. Just interesting data for folks who use sectors who are considering what information might inform their sector decisions. And October was a month in which you had a lull, S&P 500 down 2.2%, and you had utilities as the best performing sector up 1.3%, which is very anomalous relative to what we saw for the first nine months of the year. And again, what we saw this week, the first week in November. So looking ahead to next week, economic data, very light this week. In fact, no headline moving economic data points to speak of, but we're going to hear from, believe it or not, 15 different Fed chairs, presidents, vice chairs, governors, all speaking this week. So in the absence of economic data, we're going to hear from a lot of Fed stakeholders and in theory, get some perspective on what the debate is within the halls of the Federal Reserve and perhaps signaling what to expect from the next meeting in November and then the final meeting of 2024 coming in December. And of course, how they might lay out the groundwork for what to expect next year in 2024. On the earnings front, we've got about 50 companies reporting. Not as many as you might expect, and certainly not as many of the highly influential companies that we've been hearing from over the course of the past couple of weeks. In fact, the ones that jumped out to me were Disney, Occidental, and Gilead. So Disney is obviously a company that's been struggling. It's a company that is certainly a bellwether for its sector, and we'll get a feel for how that turnaround is going. Occidental, a very important energy company, certainly a company worth watching as it relates to some of the investments they've made in adjacencies like carbon capture and, of course, how the operating environment is trending given some of the near-term volatility we've seen in energy prices. And then, of course, Gilead, which is in a sector healthcare, which, as we've talked about time and time again, has very defensive characteristics or at least has historically and yet so far in 2023 – has been one of the laggards in the market. And as people look ahead to 2024 and they try and position for either the risk of 
a recession. As we mentioned, the conference board expects a shallow recession in 2024. Healthcare will certainly be one of the sectors to watch in that economic context. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone once again for joining me. My name is Paul Bayaki, Chief ETF Strategist at SSNC Alps Advisors. I thank you so much for tuning in. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. And as always, please visit sectorspiders.com for all things related to sectors, research, content, insights, market perspectives. Take care. 